In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Let's go while we're young. That's the cry of a husband to his wife as she's in the bathroom getting ready for date night because the hair and the makeup and the wardrobe all have to be just so. They're already 20 minutes late for their dinner reservation. Let's go! The cry of a harried mother trying to get the children out the door for church or for school or for some other activity. And they're already running ten minutes late. And wouldn't you know it, the children are not even dressed yet. Let's go! That is the cry that ten virgins hear, as it were, in our Lord's parable in Matthew 25. They hear the cry, let's go, because the bridegroom has arrived. Yeah, he's late. Maybe he did need to tie his tithe for the 28th time to make sure it looked just so. Maybe other members of his party had to enjoy one last shot as a bolster for courage before they went to the wedding banquet. Whatever it might be, he's here. He's late, but he's here. Jesus says five of these virgins were foolish and five were wise. The wise virgins were the ones who brought extra flasks of oil with them. The foolish ones did not. When they wake up, and you notice that both the foolish and the wise were sleeping. When they wake up, five of them are ready Five of them are not. And so the five who are not ready look to the five who are ready and say, how about some oil? No. Lest there not be enough for you and for me too. Why don't you go to the marketplace and see whether or not there is any oil that can be purchased? Well, it's late night and I kind of doubt at this particular time that there was a quick trip available anywhere near where they could get some lamp oil. But off they go to the marketplace, looking for lamp oil. And by the time they get back, it was too late. What does this parable have to do with the end of the church year? It has everything to do with the end of the church year and the beginning of a new one, God willing, in a week's time. First of all, let's handle this tough thing of this oil and why five of these virgins had it and five did not. The oil here we may consider to be, beloved, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who keeps us ever close to Jesus in the preaching of his word, in the eating and drinking of his precious body and blood, in our baptism. Five virgins, as it were, had the Holy Spirit. They had treasured this wonderful gift. And five also had the Holy Spirit, but they just had enough for the evening, I guess. And so they look at the others and say, hey, how about one just for the road? For you and for me, we too can look like a foolish virgin from time to time. And it looks kind of like this. You know, I'm a Christian. 
And I do believe what I have been taught all these years. My confirmation pastor was right. The Holy Spirit does point me to Jesus and his wonderful gifts for me, a forgiveness in life and salvation. Well, I'll tell you this, I've been waiting a long time for Jesus to come back because I say in the creed every week, from thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. When is this judgment day going to take place? I even wonder whether or not there will be a judgment day. And sometimes, yeah, I do wonder whether this whole Christianity thing is really up to snuff in the first place. I'm going to hedge my bet. And here's how I'll hedge my bet with the Lord. My grandma loved her church. She quilted. She baked for hundreds of funerals through the years. She always had her hands in a sink of water, washing a dish at church. If there was a society for the lady, she was in it. And now she's with the Lord. And Grandma was the kind of lady who, when I fell and scraped my knee, she would always hear me crying and would come and pick me up and take me into the bathroom and spray Bactine on my knee. Oh, that stuff stung. And then she led me to the cookie jar. And what happens at grandma's stays at grandma's when it comes to that cookie jar. I won't tell you how many I had and neither will she because she's not here. But that's the way grandma worked. She took the bulb of the horns. She was a person that had authority. And I know should I happen to die and it comes time for me to go up there or down there. Grandma will say a few words on my behalf because her words had power. And if Grandma isn't enough to twist the arms of my Heavenly Father, oh, Grandpa! He helped build this church, you know. He twisted a lot of arms in his years at church. Had a lot of people sit on church council, didn't want to be there. But he saw to it. Acolytes, oh yeah, more than once. Ushers, mm-hmm. My grandpa gave a lot of money to help the church too. And he knew exactly what to say and exactly how to get things done. So if this whole business of eternal life actually turns out to be true... And maybe, just maybe, I find myself on the side of, I don't know whether or not this thing is actually going to happen. Grandpa will twist the arms of the Savior and clout for me. Now, clout. There's a word we don't hear all that often. It's a Chicago word. It's a verb. To clout. It means you have someone who will speak up for you on your behalf. And when that person speaks up for you, things happen. Doors open. Windows fly open. And you get what you want. I got grandpa on my side. And grandma's got a cookie jar wide open. And I know the Lord loves a good cookie.
I have hedged my bet. If I don't have enough oil, I'm going to get there. It's amazing how we doubt the Holy Spirit. It's amazing how we want to put everything into our hands or into a dead relative's hands for our eternal salvation. So you go running off to the marketplace. You go running off to grandma or to grandpa. And you come back. And the door is closed. Well, I thought they'd leave the door at least cracked for me. I was here. I was waiting. I slept. Yeah, but I was here. I knocked on the door. And my Lord answered. And I said, let me in. And he said, I don't know you. The worst thing that our Heavenly Father can ever say to us concerning our salvation, beloved, is have it your way. Go ahead. You do all the heavy lifting of salvation now. You think you can do it? Try it. You see, when it's time to go, it's time to go. And Jesus reminds us in the end of this parable this evening, one word, one big word, watch. You're going to fall asleep, and so am I. We will. It's all a part of this walk with our Lord Jesus. We fall asleep from time to time. We doubt that he does what he says and says what he does. We question whether or not it's all worth it. Because don't you think he would have been here by now? We've been through hard times in the past. We've had good times too. A lot more hard times though. And boy, we're in hard times now. And if he came now, that would be great. But he's not here yet. And yet Jesus says, watch, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And if that's not enough, St. Paul tells the church in Thessalonica, the day of the Lord comes like a thief in the night. Well, I've got a nest on my front door. I can see the thief when he comes. Yeah, but the thief is really quick. Probably more sudden than quick. That is one of the things we often forget as Christians, to watch. To watch for Jesus, to wait. With great patience, wait. With a little bit of anxiety maybe, but we wait. Wise virgins fall asleep. The thing about wise virgins is though, they sleep with one eye open. Because they've been given a promise from their Lord Jesus. And that promise is, I am coming soon. He'd probably be the first to admit that his definition of soon and your definition of soon and my definition of soon don't match. But he comes soon. 
so we watch. That's a lot of what Advent is about. And would you believe it already begins as the Lord wills next week. Sure, we get John the Baptist, and we get John the Baptist running the bush hog through, getting the way ready for Jesus so everything is straight and clean and clear. But we also get a couple of weeks of preparation for the end. The end of days, when our Lord Jesus returns, as we'll sing in a couple of weeks, with clouds descending once for every sinner slain. And he aims to take us with him, whether we are dead or alive at that time. He aims to take us with him into a place where he will never be absent. Hell, you see, is eternal separation from God. It is standing around in a burning lake of fire and always being tormented by that burning lake of fire. And there is no heavenly father to pull you out. There is no grandma to open the cookie jar. There is no grandpa to twist some arms. Jesus aims to take you with him into paradise, where you shall always be with the Lord. And right before tonight's epistle reading, St. Paul says about this truth, comfort one another with these words. Our comfort tonight is in one word, beloved, watch. Jesus is coming. He is coming soon. When he comes, it will be for our joy. And it'll be a lot of fun for the cable news networks, too, because it'll be the last story they ever cover. Can't you even see it now? The Christians were right! And then they go to color bars and a test pattern. Because their job is over.